You're listening to The Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you to subscribe to The Authenticity Show wherever you get your podcasts, and find us on social media. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, check out our YouTube page. This will help us, and that came, of course, with a please and a thank you. This is part two of our series on conflict. So many great ideas, so many practical, useful techniques and ideas for dealing with conflict. This is really a must-listen. I am personally very grateful for this episode because I uh, needed it. And maybe you do too. So please listen and let us know what you think. Send us a message on Facebook. Drop a comment in the YouTube video. We will read and respond. So here we go. So Carlos, we often do shows about topics that, one, we want to get better at ourselves. And two topics that are occurring in our life, right? And we have other reasons for doing show topics, but those are two things that happen to us a lot. And when we do a show about a particular topic, I notice that either I've had a lot of that topic come up in my life, or I have a lot of that topic come up right after we've done a show on it. Yeah. And the last episode that we recorded was about conflict and it was part one. And I've enjoyed some conflict since what is a week or two ago when we did this, week and a half ago, or you know. And I've had more conflict come up since then. Me too. So I just want to suggest that we do very soon we do an episode on winning the lottery, <laughs> so that we can both win the lottery right after the show. Here, here. So, because you know that's, that's something happens. that I'd like to do. Yeah, that's yeah, what happens. Yeah, I would like to have that conflict of knowing what to do with. With that resource. Yeah, for sure. And <laughs> I think let's plan that. Yeah. Suppose somebody is in a position where they need to receive complaints from customers. What would be some strategies that could be useful for that person to be aware of in order to create that feeling of safety or to uh, you know do a better job at at simultaneously, you know, maintaining themselves yet also doing their job and being able to take those complaints. Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of advice that, that a Nelper, you know, a person who does NLP would suggest. I mean, number one, though, is, is take a look at the frame. The frame controls the game. The frame is like the, the pre-existing conditions and the framework of implied beliefs and presuppositions. And when you pay attention to that frame, you can learn a lot of really important things. For example, am I a customer service person? Am I the customer service manager? Am I a client or a, or a customer? And then anything else that you can garner from, from the situation. Uh, what body language is being revealed? Uh, are there other people in who are also irate about the same thing? You can change the frame, but only after you understand what the frame is. So you have to acknowledge what is first. And when you understand that, let's say, um, let's take the the position of customer service manager. 
Okay, so it's bumped up the chain, and suddenly now you're going to deal with this irate customer. Uh, they've already spoken to someone down the chain who's handed it up to you. So the frame of that is you're the handler. Okay. It's your yeah. job to be the final word on this for okay. the most part. Yeah, yeah. So I can, see, I can see you have to kind of analyze that. Is you do. How true is this? What, what are the boundaries of this? Yeah, yeah. And, and a customer service manager, you know, working within a company that has a particular set of values that places um, customer satisfaction very highly on the, uh-huh. on the hierarchy list, uh-huh. will usually grant some flexibility for the customer service manager to make adjustments in cost and comping certain things and, and various items, but there will be accountability for it, mm-hmm. but they will allow some flexibility. So that means that the person below them wasn't allowed to make that decision. Maybe at this point, the, you know, irate customer may be getting more and more tired. They're, 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 expending a lot of their energy and this is a key to conflict resolution actually one of the many keys is that it's hard to maintain rage it's hard to maintain intense anger and all these feelings it's hard to maintain it without a story running to keep that that uh, uncomfortable negative set of emotions running those feelings won't stay by themselves because there's a life cycle biochemically for those feelings Mm -hmm. so that's part of the strategy is that um, some of that energy has been taken up. So now when the customer service comes in, it's a new voice. They're reorienting each time because there's a new voice there. And it takes a lot of work to try to maintain the same track because they realize that this is a new person. If I alienate myself from this new person, now I don't have as many choices. Mm -hmm. So most people want to have more choices. And most people will choose the choice that they feel is the best choice available to them at any given moment. Okay. And that's just a a basic NLP principle that we work with. Uh So we want to increase choice. Okay. Not meaningless choices, but meaningful choices. Yeah. Okay. And you're going to choose the one that fits best. So the customer service manager can then take the frame of, it's my job to not have this go any further than me. Uh Uh-huh. And I know, let's say I'm the customer service manager, I know that our mission statement and our values state that customer satisfaction is one of the number one principles here. Um, Is it really going to break the bank if we refund the $30 to this person who could potentially badmouth us in in a terrible way? So that's a frame Mm -hmm. that that changes the nature of how I might respond. Mm -hmm. And then within that, I might want to, change the frame a little bit by, by, by uh, realizing that the current frame is one of antagonism. Mm-hmm. And maybe when I get on the phone, it's my opportunity to change that, that micro frame in there uh, into one of concern or curiosity or um, uh, win-win. You know, we could work something out. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about this more. Uh, you know, let's shift the this, let's kind of flip the script, the script a little bit and let's, let's change this element where now I'm concerned about what happened. Mm-hmm. Tell me and I can maybe, if you work with me, I can maybe solve this for you. Yeah, okay. And so they're going to shift subtly because you've changed the frame internally in that little micro frame yeah. there between yeah. you and them. And 
the macro frame that they had about the company or about the big issue they had starts to get broken down and ceases to hold the same importance at that point. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the strategy of having those, okay. those layers in that chain. Okay. Um, and then deeper within that is a series of principles such as um, uh, everybody's doing the best they can with the resources they believe they have available. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, we enter into the model of the world of the person that we're working with so that we understand what they're actually um, expressing as best we can. Okay. People are not their behaviors, but mm-hmm. behaviors are the best indicator of what's going on with them mm-hmm. and so on. We have a, a series of principles that we use in NLP that are, that are called uh, presuppositions and mm-hmm. they're, they're functionally used in NLP training to, to teach us how to fall back on a set of principles that will allow us to be more flexible, get better results, um, uh, stay in rapport with people. And that's another one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want to develop rapport with anyone that we are working out a conflict with mm-hmm. because rapport is a condition of unconscious synchronization that's happening between you. So anything you can do to create a sense of togetherness, that connectedness, that uh, we are momentarily occupying the same time and space mm-hmm. kind of thing, mm-hmm. means that there will be a synchronization at some level. And their high will come down to your low. Your low will come to their high, and you'll meet somewhere in the middle. Okay. Oh, okay. So if you can create in those moments identification with them and them with you, uh, shared experiences or anything, Uh then humor can come in to break things up. Mm -hmm. Um, You can identify the person's basic need in that moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, If their need is pity or their need is to be recognized as a powerful person or as an intelligent person or, Uh um, you know, uh, do they want to be accepted? Okay. Do they want to be acknowledged? You know, these needs are going to come through in the type of uh, descriptors and descriptions that they use. That's going to tell you a lot. When you identify that and begin to immediately address it and give it to them, uh-huh. they calm down. Hmm. Okay. So your mission is to quickly identify what those needs are and address it. And so you just um, sort of ask yourself what does this person need? What, what is it that they're trying to, to get in yeah. the situation? Yeah, uh-huh. and you can ask them that question as well. Okay. But you're really looking to chunk up. What's okay. the core of this? What's this need really about? Okay, okay. So they're going on and on about how um, you know they know what they're doing because they've been doing this for 15 years or whatever it is. Well, that might be a need that's related to significance or it might be a need that's related to intelligence. You know, you have to yeah. fine tune your understanding of what they mean by what they're saying, but you're okay. chunking up and asking ultimately, what are they really asking for? Right. Okay. That, that makes sense. So like if somebody were to, like you said, if somebody were to say, um, yeah, just, you know, I, I've been in this industry for this many years and so on and so forth. And, you know, I have a lot of experience with this. It's not my first time around the block, right. blah, 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 blah. And there, you might start have, having to ask yourself, is this person just sort of need to be acknowledged as not being, not being dumb? Are they an expert? Yeah. Right. Or like, like what, what, where are they, you know, or is this person, 
um, needing to be strong and powerful, or you right. just sort of have to judge. And you can say something like, um, you know, I think you're right. I mean, you've been doing this a long time, and you don't need me to be telling you uh, what you already know. Because okay. if you've been doing this for 15 years, you absolutely know what the heck you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so whatever it is that just took, that just took place, we're going to need to get a little more detail. Let's talk about this as two fellow 15-year, mm-hmm. you know, golf okay. experts or whatever it is. Right. Let's just really yeah. figure this out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I respect you and I respect anyone who spent that much time developing their understanding. Of that. You know, mm-hmm. So you can find ways to acknowledge them. Okay. And it does tend to downgrade their anger, downgrade the, the intensity mm-hmm. of their negative feelings. Mm-hmm. And it's not bullshit because you're literally firing back to them what they told you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that, that's, a re- that's helpful right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very helpful. Yeah. Try to find something. Sure. For a little, in a little bit. So if I'm. Yeah. If that's pause fine. here and I'm quiet, I'm just want not being able to see anymore is not helping. I know. Same. Well, of course, um, there are other things that are important too that that I think you you learn over time. And this is understanding language. Okay. Um, That certain words um, might be softer than other words, but mean the same thing. Okay. Words like maybe, perhaps... They're called softeners. Hmm. Perhaps we could look at this in a different way. You know, even the fact that I said we. Okay. I didn't say, you need to be looking at this a different way. Now you're telling them what to do. Okay. They may not like that. Uh, there's a high percentage of people that would be very triggered by that when uh-huh. they're the ones who want to be respected. Okay. But if you said, ah, I feel you on that. And I'm wondering, that's another softener. I'm wondering oh, like what would happen if we looked at this as if we were looking at two different people. Yeah, now I'm you've wondering. dissociated. I just added another element. Okay. Dissociating. So it's really hard to talk about all of this didactically without kind of giving examples. And then, of course, we give mm-hmm. an example, and then it, it's like a whole rabbit trail of other examples. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but I, I wanted to just kind of point it out that since this isn't really a course in how to do that, I'm just giving a little bit of a, some highlights. Okay. Um, those are things that happen naturally if you understand the language patterns. Okay. That NLP teaches. It helps with those kinds of strategic um, communications. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, that makes sense. Because like if, if I was irritated with somebody, suppose I'm at a restaurant and I'm irritated with, you know, the waiter about something... And I'm expressing my displeasure. And that waiter were to listen to me and to say, you know, I wonder, that would immediately put me in, into a different state of mind. Yes. Kind of like, what is happening here? Why is, because, you know, if I say, you know, I wonder, it kind of shows that I'm, I'm relaxed, mm-hmm. yet I'm also listening. I'm not threatening. Yeah, yeah <laughs> wonder is, is not too far off from curiosity, is it? No, it's not at all. It's very similar yeah, yeah. In, in I mean, it's a word quality. that expresses or, or, or shares that my state of mind is being curious. Yeah, or at least appreciating something new. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's, that's very, very helpful. It's wonderful, yeah. isn't it? Softeners. Yeah, softeners. language softeners. Language softeners. I'm thinking about different language softeners that I just use naturally. 
I'll often say perhaps. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think sometimes I'm saying that for me and sometimes I'm saying that for the other person, for both of us. But um, it does, if I think about it, it does put me into a different state. Yeah. It seems to help with the other person. It does. Yeah, it, it really does. It was like, like um, words like preference. To say, I don't want that. That's not for me. That's a very strong statement, and that's perfectly acceptable to say that sometimes. Mm-hmm. However, if your idea or your intention is to be less divisive, to, to give a positive no to mm-hmm. someone, then you might say something like, I prefer it if we found another way. Uh, yeah, I prefer to eat things that leave me feeling good. Not saying I never eat stuff like that because it just feels like shit, you know. Yeah, uh, I could say that's yeah, going to kill you if you it's eat gonna that. Kill you. Yeah, I remember my mom telling me when, when I was a kid I wanted to buy a Pez dispenser. Oh, okay. When I was a little kid. Uh-huh. My mom's like, "Oh God, if you had that, you'll get diabetes." I remember being like, "Oh, oh my goodness, you're so going to get diabetes." As you know, so extreme. Yeah, you know, to say that. So yeah, it's funny. That's yeah, funny. I, so I, preference is something that still includes the empowerment of being able to choose, but you're not locked into some kind of heavy belief that creates inflexibility in your thinking. Yeah. So, Carlos, we've talked a little bit about something that's used in occupational therapy. Mm-hmm. It's called the intentional relationship model. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a great book out there by um, Renee Taylor called The Intentional Relationship. And it's a wonderful book. And it, it, gives, it gives a framework that people can use to um, work with with their clients. It's, it's, it's intended to be used by therapists working with their clients. When I say therapists, I mean like rehabilitation professionals, you know, like working with people that are recovering from illnesses and injuries and surgeries, that sort of thing. But I think it can be very, very helpful in this discussion that we're having with conflict resolution. Um, because it can help you, the person who's t- trying to trying to manage this relationship with somebody, to actually use some kind of intentional framework to help organize yourself in in this situation. So it's kind of similar to some of the things that, that you shared, and I, I think you'll like it. Cool. Actually, I think you'll you'll like the intentional relationship model. Uh, so the intentional relationship model says that there are these six modes. That a, that a person is in. Um, so I'm just going to talk about it more in the traditional sense. There's a therapist and a client, a patient. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just read these six modes out loud, okay? So you have advocating mode, collaborating mode, empathizing mode, encouraging mode, instructing mode, and problem-solving mode. Okay, so just real real brief, one more time, right? Advocating mode, collaborating mode, empathizing mode, encouraging mode, instructing mode, 
problem-solving mode. Okay? Love it. So what you do when the other person and you are interacting, you intentionally notice, and I'm given the simple version of this, you intentionally notice what mode is this person in need of? Mm-hmm. Depending on what, what you know, set of thoughts, beliefs, the story that they're telling themselves, their body language, the circumstances, you know, all, all of this, what mode is this person in right now? And which mode could I go into that would best serve this person? So I ask myself, like, for example, advocating mode. Does this person need somebody to advocate for their needs right now? Right? This patient is feeling like they're not getting what they want. They're upset with the kitchen staff, <laughs> you know, whatever. Maybe they need somebody to advocate for them. I could be an advocate for them. And if I go into that advocating mode, then I am now going into a, a helpful mode to build this intentional relationship with this person to help create that rapport. Okay. Or I might decide that this person needs a collaborator. We need to kind of work together on something. I need to help this person uncover things and figure out what the goals here are or whatever it might be. They need somebody to collaborate with them. Um, uh, maybe this person needs information right now. They, they need instruction mode. I need to teach them something. There's, there's knowledge that they don't have and I have the knowledge and I need to give them the knowledge. Okay, but the importance of understanding these six modes and, and giving them what they need is to also be careful about using the wrong mode. <laughs> okay, so if the person needs empathizing mode and I start giving instruction mode, now that's a mismatch. I'm, I'm, I'm giving them information when they just need to be understood. Right? They Boy, need to that be, sounds familiar. Yeah, right? And, and, it's like and a male-female so, dynamic right there. Exactly, exactly. That's totally. And that's that's your, your typical husband and wife scenario, yeah, right? right? Yeah. I just want you to understand how I feel, and the husband is trying to give the solution, right? Yeah. Um, but sorry, ladies, not so fast. Mm-hmm. Both sides need to remember these modes, right? Um, so if, if I'm in a situation and I realize that this person's trying to help me and I understand the intentional relationship modes, and I recognize that this person is trying their best, they're trying to give me instructions, they're not understanding that I need something else right now, um, I at least can appreciate that they're in the wrong mode and maybe I can even help them give me what I want, you know? And so, so there's, there's something to be said there. Um, so, you know, sometimes I need somebody to help me problem solve, you know, like, you know, you're a great problem solver. Oliver's a good problem solver. And this is one of the things that, that men are notorious for. If we have a problem, we go to somebody who we think's an expert who can help us solve the problem. Right. (laughs) Right. You know, we don't typically, you know, just share our feelings. I mean, sometimes we do. Sometimes I go to you guys just because I want to share how I'm feeling and I know you guys are going to be good listeners. But with men, there's this idea that if, if I go to a guy and I share my problem, I'm asking for advice. But that's not always the same with everybody. Sometimes I go to somebody and I share a problem and really what I wanted is not advice, but understanding or any of these other modes mm-hmm. <laughs> that are right here. I need a collaborator. I need somebody to instruct me. I need somebody to empathize with me. I need somebody to advocate for me, 
Right. So it's just, it's a useful strategy. It's something that I think a lot of people might not be aware of that this is out there and it can really, really be helpful. You know, this person needs an advocate right now. I can be an advocate. I love that. Um, you know, in a way the, the meta position that I get into when I think about the IRM, the intentional relationship model is of a problem solver anyway. Because the problem is the conflict. The problem is whatever is sure. the problem. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and so that's you're great. solving the problem really by going into problem-solving mode, which is you as the therapist uh, in that case, um, or the middle manager or whatever it is that your position mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. a leader of some kind, being able to select from those various modes what is most appropriate. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's great. I can imagine this being useful as a parent. I'm not one, but I can imagine raising little ones. I've certainly taught little ones. Uh, Mm -hmm. Having that attitude would be useful. Sure. uh, Along with other tools. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's super cool. I love it. That's, you know, it's one of those things that I I certainly would want people to use it on me. Yeah. (laughs) You know, when I was um, working on developing a framework for conflict resolution um, back in my days in Australia... I was thinking about what are the, the, the components of every conflict. And one of these components is the idea of attack, you know, the advance, right? The, the advance into your territory. Um, it's, it's aggression, um, usually associated with things like anger, rage, insult, you know. Um, and the attack is, is emotion towards you, right? And then the other element of that. Uh, the opposite number is, of course, the retreat. Yeah, um, which is typically associated with things like fear, and shrinking, and uh, you know, agreeableness, you know, stuff like that. So you have this attack and the withdraw or retreat. But then, where's the point at which you can actually do something that is potentially transformative? Because if all you do is retreat when someone attacks, um, there is a, a potential for that attack to kind of wear itself out, maybe. But it also could end in the demise of the person withdrawing because there's only so far you can withdraw sometimes. Yeah. So taking this into the mindset of martial arts, and in particular Tai Chi, Tai Chi Chuan, um, there's a point at which you have to meet the force. So I refer to that as align and connect. Align and connect. Or just connect. Connect, okay. You know, meet is another way. Yeah. Um, so we have attack, withdraw, and we have meet. You know, align, connect. You have to connect or meet with whatever the force or the intention is in order for you to do anything else that is not completely passive right? So there's an element of passivity in it, but there's an element of um, activity in it as well, because you have to be able to match their, in martial arts, you would match their timing, speed, and distance Mm -hmm. angle to be able to meet properly. And then there's something that happens at the point of contact, which has to do with um, offering no resistance, but just enough resistance so that it's matching the strength so that you can hold if you want to in a zero point where you could sustain without 
anything but the most minimal effort. If you threw a baseball into a mitt, the mitt reaches out to the baseball and kind of catches the speed of that ball right as it enters the mitt. Because if the hand is held still, it can break the hand because the ball hits the mitt and the force is transferred to the mitt into the bones of the hand. It can break the hand or bruise mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But if you get into the kind of reflexive action that a baseball player would have and you see the ball coming at you and you align with that ball, timing, speed, distance, angle, all that's figured out, and you meet it just right, it's kind of like you come towards the ball and then you pull back with the ball in just the right way so that it softens that blow and it neutralizes the, the lethality of it, the, the, the force. Yeah. It neutralizes the, the force enough to the extent where you can catch the ball and then throw the ball back if you need to. There is advancement in your retreat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which kind of aligns with the yin-yang concept. So being able to do all three requires that you look at yourself, look at uh, what is your tendency? Are you aggressive? Do you tend to be overly permissive and anxious? Mm-hmm. Because that's going to tell you whether you're more, you lean more towards attack or withdrawal. Yeah. And if you meet attack with attack, you have conflict. And if you have withdraw with withdraw, it's the same thing. Yeah. You get nowhere. <clears throat> yeah. Fast. Yeah. Two forces pulling away from each other is a right. type of conflict. Too. You never yeah. see each other, right? It's, it's avoidance. So yeah. retreat is avoidance. Withdraw is avoidance. Attack is confrontation. Attack is, you know, it's all those qualities that um, people complain about when they're afraid of conflict. Mm-hmm. So a big component in martial arts was learning how to withstand force. How do you align yourself so that you can receive force in and through your body so that it goes and really is met by the, by the force of the ground? Now, that sounds so irrational. Yeah. How, how are you taking it into the ground? That, that's, it sounds very irrational, but we've experienced it with martial arts. Yes, and we, we know have, that yeah. there is a way you can meet that force without fear and without anticipation but with just sensory acuity and uh, receptivity and uh, a quality of buoyancy and mm-hmm. energy and liveliness yeah, that enables you to receive the force and it's as if they're pushing against the ground. Yes. It's as if their kinetic force is transferred into the floor beneath your feet. And I would say it probably is. How do we do that psychologically? Yeah. Well, it takes practice just like it takes practice with a physical skill. I mean, we know how hard that was. Oh, yeah. It's a difficult thing to achieve. Yeah. But we've also seen it happen. We've felt it happen. We know it's possible. Yeah. We've all done it. I yep. mean, you and I have both done it. Yeah. And. To that end, it becomes about fine-tuning the tools that could help you meet force or mm-hmm. meet your attacker or meet the conflict without being overwhelmed by the conflict and without stoking more conflict. Yeah. To be, to be able to hit a zero point. One of the ways we can neutralize force, which is really what we're talking about, neutralizing and transforming force uh, when it comes to 
a verbal attack is to agree with it on the surface at least okay yeah yeah maybe even underneath the surface but we call this agreement frame in nlp mm -hmm. uh, you find something about what it is they're saying that's absolutely true and undeniable okay so if you insulted me somehow okay you know the shirt you're wearing looks cheap okay okay um, I could say, thanks for sharing that opinion. Tell me more about it, about how you, like, what, what is it? Is it the cut? Is it the material? Uh, is it the color? Is it, is it the patterns on it? Um, tell me more about what you know. I'm curious. Yeah, and your question is sort of like reaching out for the ball. It is. When the baseball's coming, yeah. And then when you maybe tell me, oh, I saw this at Target for three bucks. I'm like, oh, you're right. It, it, when you put it like that, it absolutely is a very inexpensive shirt. And that's where the clincher is. Uh -huh. And and I'm so glad I didn't have to pay three times the price for something that I really enjoy wearing. That's a reframe. So nice. I agreed with you. At first, I, I, I found out more because I didn't know what to agree with yet. I was like, shit, how do I agree with that? I'm uh -huh. not even sure how if I could. Yeah. So I have to ask a little bit about it so that I, the asking is part of meeting. Yeah. Okay. And when I ask about it, um, that gives me the important data that I can then search for a way of agreeing with. Okay. So you find something to stick to. Right. right. <laughs> That's stick, and stick. Follow. stick and follow. Exactly. Okay. Taiji people. Uh -huh. um, and then I'm not in a defensive place so I can search for when would that be a good thing? Like that, that's a, a context mm -hmm. reframe, right? Yeah. When is it a good time, a good thing that you spent only $3 for something? Mm -hmm. Well, when you could have spent three times that and gotten the same product, who would want to do that? Why would you want to pay three times something for the same thing? Yeah. And, and then in particular, why would you want to pay three times something if the thing that's three times cheaper is something you actually enjoy wearing? And in that moment, yeah. I'm acknowledging myself uh -huh. by saying, I love it. In spite of agreeing with you, I love it. Therefore, what am I doing? I'm empowering myself whilst empowering you. And you cannot really empower yeah. yourself truly if you're not empowering everyone else who's involved. Because it's not empowerment if you're not creating that, in my opinion. Real empowerment is about that win-win. Yeah, yeah. Instead of win-lose. You're creating a win-win, it's empowering, and you're potentially inspiring that person. You're potentially, I mean, a true masterful transformation is gonna leave them feeling transformed by the fact that this disagreement happened. Okay. Not like they were beaten, that you, you beat them out of their opinion or you coerced them or you manipulated them or you NLP'd them or you, um, you know, co you didn't use trickery. Yeah. You used a methodology that helped you to raise the, uh, the frequency to something beautiful. Yeah, that's what I was, was going to say. I was going to say that doing, using a technique like that 
doesn't really lead to a winner and a loser. Mm -mm. It dissipates the energy into some other transformed state. Right. And maybe that, that transformed state is better, better connection with the person, Indeed. better understanding, maybe an opportunity for a friendship. Yes. Maybe an opportunity for that person to become one of your best allies ever. Who knows? Yeah. discussions like this um, like with the last episode and this episode we're, we're getting into a lot of a lot of ways that people can um, rethink conflict mm -hmm. and give them some very different choices maybe some brand new things to, to handle situations to make life better this is this shows about making life better more enjoyable while we're here right yeah I think it's important to acknowledge that um, all of us, many of us, have had many um, situations that we might, at least initially, we might call failures in our conflict. Mm -hmm. And that could be as severe as maybe somebody got their ass kicked once. They, they picked a fight at a bar or somebody picked a fight with them and the result was they got their butt kicked, right? It could be something a little more extreme like that. Or it could just be that somebody felt like they didn't handle an argument very well and they felt like they didn't know what to say and they got embarrassed. And then after the fact, they're thinking, well, I should have said this and then I should have said that and yeah. stood up for myself more. Right. And, and I want to dedicate a little bit of time to that phenomenon. Um, I want to propose that if you're in a situation where you feel like you didn't do very well, in a conflict, um, an argument, an altercation, something, whatever it is, um, you feel that you were outsmarted, outwitted, beat somehow. I want to talk about the aftermath and better ways to handle that than the traditional way. Um, usually when we have some situation like that happen, it's natural for us to um, go into repeating the story and rehearsing and trying to learn by coming up with better, more clever ways to have won. And again, that's going back to the winning and losing mentality. And don't worry, folks, I've done it a million times, right? I've, I've done this so many times in my life. And very, very recently, <laughs> this week, in fact, <laughs> uh, I, I had a um, real tough conversation with somebody on, on the phone real tough conversation. And, um, you know, the, the, there, there were things in that conversation. I, I was, I was doing my best to try to apply what I know about dealing with conflict. And, um, and sometimes, sometimes you can do that better with some people versus other people. It's just, it's just the reality of the situation. And when the situation was over, um, and the, the conversation ended, and admittedly, I kind of ended the conversation a little bit sooner. It could have kept going, but I decided that I had heard enough of the same thing looped too many times that I was, okay, I'm just going to interrupt this and finish it, right? So, so we did that. And um, as soon as the conversation was over, I realized, you know what? Be honest with yourself, Satch. 
you're upset about what just happened. Don't pretend like it's no big deal. And it's, you know, it is a big deal. You're upset about it. And don't, don't lie to your emotions and try to say that, you know, it's something that it isn't. So I closed my eyes and I totally checked in with my body and I felt all of the unpleasant sensations that I was having at that moment. Right. And it was a little bit of adrenaline, you know, it was a, it was a little bit of, you know, uh, regret. And I kept seeing my mind want to jump in and continue the story. Mm. I thought, that's not where the lesson is going to be learned. The lesson is going to be learned by stopping. Just feel everything. It was, my heart is beating a little bit. My stomach is tense. I'll go ahead and just fully, fully absorb all the reality of what is happening with my physiology because it is not lying. It is telling me the God dang truth, right? Yeah. But this was, this was an intense situation. It was really intense. So absorb it right now. And I kind of went into Vipassana meditation mode. Mm -hmm. Just go ahead and feel everything you feel and don't amplify it. Just allow it to be what it is. And so I did that for a little while. And when I say a little while, I mean, you know, three or four minutes, probably, maybe five minutes tops. I went ahead and, and I noticed things were calming down. And in that situation instead of allowing myself to go into he said, she said kind of mode, well, I should have said this and then they should have said that, right? And then, and because those keep going back to the paradigm of winner and loser, winner and loser, winner and loser. And we're not trying to have winner and loser. If we're, if you're trying to have winner and loser, it's a coin toss every time. And even if both people think that they won, nobody really knows. Nobody's keeping score. That's, that's, it's an illusion to begin with, right? right? It's, it's, it's not even real. So I took a different approach. And I said, okay, go ahead and learn from the situation. What would have been <clears throat> better ways to make win-win happen? What would have been better ways... Um, to help the other person feel better about the situation, what would be better ways to honor how I was feeling in the situation, right? And <clears throat> I checked in with what would feel the opposite of what I just felt. Well, when this person said that, I might have taken a very different tone. And I'm going to remember that next time. Oh, well, it sounds like, sounds like you're pretty familiar with this. I, I, you know, that would have been much less threatening than what I said. So it's kind of playing the opposite game of retelling the story where you you always come out the winner. Yeah. It's retell the story in such a way that makes both parties feel better. And practice that a little bit. That's what I should be practicing. Hmm. Not better ways to win, mm -hmm. but better ways to get back to, again, Satch, remind yourself, what's the goal here? The goal is to find a resolution, is to take this farther than conflict into some other new area. This person thinks it's conflict and they're standing up for themselves. I feel like I'm being attacked and this feels like conflict and I need to defend myself. How do we get this to exploration mode? How do we get this to, um, we're both solving the problem. This person thinks I'm going to solve the problem. Well, I need to pull that person into solving the problem. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and, and so um, I just want to reiterate that the idea here is don't do the old style practice. I'm going to practice retelling the story until I win because <laughs> you didn't, it's over. Yeah. Retell the story so that you learn, you know, it's that winning versus learning kind of a thing and not learning to win. 
because that's mm-hmm. not the goal. Learning to manage better, learning to uncover reality better. Yeah. A symptom of amygdala hijack, at least one of them, is that obsessive kind of obsessive compulsive retelling of the story. I woulda, shoulda, coulda kind yeah. of stuff because you weren't really being resourceful at the time. Yeah. So you're not really using your creativity. And I think you have to manage conflict with a spirit of creativity, just like you do with curiosity. Yeah. And uh, if you believe it's possible, then one thing that helps you is if you set your intention going into anything. Any difficult conversation should start with an internal conversation. What do I wish to achieve here? Yeah. And if you can invite others in that conversation to ask the same question. Yeah. And there's a principle that kind of comes out of constellations that's really important, which is recognizing that problems are solutions. Think about it. How are problems solutions? This is a riddle. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's good a riddle. beautiful riddle. How are problems How are problems solutions? solutions? So imagine you're craving to eat a gallon of ice cream every other night, even though you've been trying to lose weight. Uh, I want another slice of pizza and I don't need it. Okay, right. There you go. That's, there's my problem. How is that a solution? What is it solving in your life? What is it solving in my life? To continue overeating. What is that solving? It's solving the problem of... Um, what is it solving? Mm-hmm. What is overeating solving? It you is, might also ask the question, how does it serve you? How does it serve me? Yeah. Okay. So what... what Let's assume, let's presuppose that you have elements that are benefiting. Okay. Sometimes we call that parts. Yeah. Okay. 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 But it's just a model, right? But, Mm -hmm. But if we just think it through, how would it, or maybe a better way of putting it is if you really want to get out of the personal, Mm -hmm. because it's, you're feeling stuck, ask the question, how might... How might, how might it serve you? How might, might that be Got a solution okay. to some problem? Got it. Okay. That's okay. You. Okay. So, for example, um, okay, perhaps um, eating more of something when you don't really need it could be solving a problem of perhaps lifting a mood. For example, maybe it gives you a dopamine rush and right. it gives you an opportunity. Maybe maybe eating a little longer means you're still on your break and you don't need to go back and do something you don't want to do. Sure. Okay, now let's take that. That's great. Yeah. Ex- ex- excellent. Right where I'm right in the same ballpark of what I'm heading. Let's go a little deeper into that. Okay. Let's say you keep doing it and now the problem is that you just keep doing it. And that's the problem because you just keep doing it and it's, you're getting... More and more overweight, and and why do you keep doing this? This is a real problem. You're starting to feel really emotional about this because it's just not ending, and you know that initial dopamine thing is not going to cut it anymore. Right? How okay. is it still, maybe even revealing the true problem it's solving for you? It's kind of zeroing in on something. Okay. Deeper. Zeroing in on something deeper. Yes, because this is a deep problem because you keep doing it and you're not stopping. Yeah. How come you're not stopping? There's some part of you. How's that some part of you benefiting? Hmm. 
And this is hypothetical. Yeah, this is hypothetical. So I can come up with a hypothetical answer that might be similar or different than the one you're going to come up with. Yeah, yeah. You want me to just kind of prompt one? Yeah, please do. So let's just say Mm -hmm. that um, it's solving the problem, a bigger problem inside of you that doesn't want discipline, that doesn't want to be told what to do, that wants to have uh, sovereignty over the self. Got it. And it's expressing itself in this way because you haven't honored that. Okay. The deeper you honor that sovereignty, Uh the less it needs to express itself in that immature way. I see. So the problem it's solving is that it's revealing to you your nature. It's revealing to you um, elements of you that are in need of being honored. Okay. And recognized. So one of the things mm-hmm. we do is we we call upon those qualities that are showing up, maybe you know, as as something that we're honoring. We, we that we're calling it up as 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 though it were an intelligent quality that deserves and is deserving of mm-hmm. our appreciation and recognition. And God, when we okay. when we as human beings feel appreciated and recognized, do we feel defensive? Do we act out and act like little bitches and you know hurt people? Uh-huh. And, no. When we're mm. truly feeling acknowledged, what do we do? We feel empowered. Mm. If we truly feel appreciated, there's a generosity in our nature that comes out automatically. Yeah. So that's yeah. the thing about the problem is the solution. Okay. Um, or problems are solutions. Because if you think about it that way, it's going to force you to recognize how this fits into the entire system. Mm. It's not, problems are not isolated, okay? Um, you know, an example I've heard before is like, you know, the company, there's there's theft going on in the company, okay? So they don't arise in a vacuum, these problems. They're the result of something. So perhaps that problem is a solution to a deeper uh, question of how it is that we create um, a sense of being valued, that maybe there are those employees that feel like they're not getting a fair deal. Mm -hmm. They're not being heard about their needs. Mm -hmm. They're not being given adequate um, compensation for the work they're doing, and they feel unrecognized, and they feel the need to steal. Yeah, okay. Okay. So this is one method for yeah, yeah, approaching yeah. conflict resolution is to, is to, is to just decide, mm-hmm. for, you know, you, you, you acknowledge what is and you decide that problems are solutions mm-hmm. to something. Very so what is it solving? Yeah. It well, takes away it, a lot of the resistance. It does. And it, it makes you, makes you real creative and, and, and determined to dig. Yes. And search and maybe find something you would never have seen otherwise. Yes. It uncovers well, things. Yeah. Yeah. And another element that I think is kind of useful to mention is that this idea of representation. Things can represent other things. Events and people can represent other events and people. Yeah. It's the nature of art. Yeah, it's exactly. It's representational. Therefore, um, you know, what's showing up as a problem repeatedly or the pattern or whatever it is or the feeling that may represent something that isn't even technically yours. 
it could be something that was absorbed by your parents mm. or by family members. Or if you really want to get um, out there with this transgenerationally, like we've talked about with Vlado and, and, and Ivan, mm, yeah. you know, the dynamic of something that passes through beyond even our immediate family. And then when you have two different people from two different families interacting, how do we know that what has come into play with those two people doesn't have to do with their ancestors? Now, this is getting a little bit out into the mm. fringes, and I apologize, but that is an element when, there, when there's a, a stuck place in a conflict, mm. it is useful to be open to that as a possibility because, mm -hmm. yes, there's this mechanical stuff that I'm talking about, these little... Um, cogs and wheels and switches and pulleys and everything that, that you can make adjustments in how you talk and how you um, express, like express things through your body language and, and there's different frames you can use. But this is a, a, a very me like kind of meta frame that's suggesting that maybe sometimes conflicts that happen seemingly without explanation could be interacting from a level that is not linear in the sense that we have seen where it comes from. So in order to remain open to this added element, we talk about that as transgenerational dynamics. Okay. That's, and there's ways to interact representationally. And it's surprising how when you honor the part in people that is expressing itself and representing itself as that anger or representing that self as an issue, that maybe that is representing something that's from way before that mm. either in their childhood or through their family line it isn't always that but if you're open to that it frees the mind to just see what is without too many uh, beliefs getting in the way of you seeing so it's like it's kind of like a, a meta belief that allows you to be more open to various possibilities so that you won't miss something Hmm. Well, you won't miss as much. You're always missing something, but you won't miss as much. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, and that's the approach when they when, when constellations is used or systemic work. Very nice. You've been listening to the Authenticity Show with your hosts Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. My name is Oliver Altine. I produce the show. I also wrote our theme song, which you're listening to right now. If you're wondering, the name of this song is Wedding Bells for the Dead. And you can find it on an album of mine called Obsidian Kite. Don't forget to subscribe to The Authenticity Show wherever you get your podcasts and find us on social media. And you can find our website at authenticityshow.com. Thanks for listening and have an authentic day. Mm -hmm.